Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 67. Today I'll be talking about the murder of Michelle Lee. My sources for today's episode are Torn from the Headlines, New York Post Reports, Season 1, Episode 6, titled CSI Slay, The New York Post, NewYorkDailyNews.com, PracticalHomicide.com, CBSNews.com, IrishCentral.com, and BBC.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. It was a typical morning in Sunnyside, Queens. And a young woman was getting ready for work. She was about to leave the apartment. And she notices that her roommate, Michelle's stuff was still there, which is very odd. similar schedules so for her roommate not to be up and ready to go or have left is very unusual on april 27 2009 michelle's roommate opened her door and found michelle dead the apartment was clean and tidy and nothing was out of order until they got to the bedroom michelle had been burned with an iron her hands were bound to the headboard with a black cord and it was obviously a sadistic killing michelle was a member of the nypd crime lab Michelle worked as a criminalist in a narcotics laboratory. She was only 24 years old. The crime scene unit took everything from Michelle's room to look through it. Michelle had been burned and iron was found at the scene and it was collected for fingerprints and DNA. A knife had also been left behind stuck in Michelle's neck. Michelle was found naked so the police believed the crime was sexually motivated. The police found it odd that there was no blood spatter or cast off found in the apartment anywhere. The New York Post had heard about a DOA in Sunnyside, Queens. The reporter was able to get information on the age of the victim and how the body was found. Michelle's roommate had been gone over the weekend but didn't come back until Sunday night. When she woke up the next day, she realized she had fallen asleep with Michelle's dead body right next door. Some of the headlines from the New York Post read, Sex, Slay, Shocker, and CSI New York Mourns. The police looked into whether Michelle's job had anything to do with her murder. Michelle's job was to analyze large quantities of narcotics. She had been involved in signing documents to convict some dangerous people. Michelle's case files were looked at. She did did work some very large cases involving violent drug dealers and criminals. The case had to be personal. Michelle was tortured and drug dealers and organizations did have their own ways of inflicting pain. It wasn't enough for them just to kill. The binding on Michelle's hands hadn't left behind any ligatures, which really stuck out to the police. She had been tied up after she died. A lot of her injuries had been inflicted after she died. The drug dealers and organizations theory went out the window. The police went to speak with Michelle's family and those close to her. Michelle's family was from Korea. They were a tight-knit family. Michelle had lived with her family but wanted more independence, which is why she moved. Michelle had always dreamed of being a forensic scientist, and she attended John Jay College of Criminal Justice. She was hired right after she graduated and was a very talented scientist. Michelle's family had no idea who'd want to hurt her or why. The crime scene was very brutal but intimate. The police needed to look into Michelle's love life, and Michelle's diary became a key piece of evidence. The same name in her diary kept coming up. It was the name Gary McGurk. Michelle wrote about their relationship on almost every single page. Michelle had met Gary when she was attending John Jay College. They hit it off right away. 
Gary played soccer at the school and came from Ireland, and he was passionate. Michelle wrote that she loved Gary but wanted to tell him and couldn't. Gary started to pull back, and he wasn't ready for that level of commitment. Michelle and Gary continued to see each other, but he described it as more of a friends-with-benefits relationship. The police spoke to Gary on the phone and asked him to come in for an interview. He was cooperative. He was asked about his relationship with Michelle and why they had broken up. Gary said they didn't click as a couple, and it was clear that their relationship was complicated. Gary mentioned sexual acts that they would do and described their relationship as risque. He mentioned strangulation and violence towards each other and bondage. Gary told the police that he had stage four cancer but didn't have American health insurance and had to pay out of pocket for his treatments. He said Michelle had lent him money. At first, the police didn't think Gary had killed Michelle. Gary told them that he had a new girlfriend and had been with her on the night of Michelle's murder. Gary's girlfriend corroborated his story. Gary did mention that he received a call from Michelle on that night, though. He was asleep and didn't pick it up. It was about 4, 4.30 a.m. and lasted about 20 seconds. The police asked who else would want to hurt Michelle. Gary said that Michelle had someone over that night. The case was very similar to the preppy case murder. Robert Chambers was convicted of murdering classmate Jennifer Levin. Jennifer's character was called into question when Robert said they had consensual rough sex, which led to her death. The police traced Michelle's footsteps from the night of her death, April 26th. Michelle had visited her parents, went to the gym, and the drugstore. The surveillance footage was searched from around the area and Michelle's apartment, and the police spent the whole weekend searching the footage. The police did see something from the CVS in Sunnyside. It was Michelle meeting up with someone on the corner of CVS and walking back towards her apartment. It was in a clear image, and the police looked into men that Michelle could have encountered. These men were questioned and eventually cleared. The New York Police Department put up a $12,000 reward for this case to be solved. It left the community afraid. The NYPD and CSI lab were working nonstop. A few days later, the forensic testing results came back. A tissue containing semen had been found in Michelle's garbage. The tissues were on top of a receipt that had been dated April 25th. The DNA had come from Gary McGurk. The police pulled Michelle and Gary's cell phone records. Gary had claimed that Michelle had called him around 4.30 a.m. and was insistent that the police looked at his phone. Gary hadn't been at home when he received that call. Gary's phone had pinged off a tower in close proximity to Michelle's apartment. The police went to Gary's home and caught him just as he was leaving with a bag and a passport. He was arrested. Gary continued to lie to the police. He saw the video surveillance equipment and said that they would see him meeting with Michelle. Gary said Michelle was into kinky sex, liked to be choked and tied up. It was the same exact defense as Robert Chambers. Robert was able to plead guilty to manslaughter and he was sentenced to five years. Michelle's cause of death was blunt force trauma to her head and her other injuries were post-mortem. The police also discovered that Gary had never had cancer. He used a ruse to get money from Michelle and he knew that she loved him. On June 16, 2010, Gary pled guilty to manslaughter. We're happy that uh, an arrest was made in this case. Obviously, it had a, uh, a very uh, traumatic effect inside the police department. Gary had a very frail ego. He tried to keep up the story that it was all just an accident. But eventually, the truth came out. During sentencing, Gary said he went to Michelle's and they were intimate. Maybe Michelle discovered that Gary had lied and that she had given him money for no reason. Maybe she threatened to report him and then he snapped. Gary said that he wrapped Michelle's head in plastic wrap while she passed out. 
He then struck her, wrapped her hands with a cell phone cord, and used an iron to burn her, and he stabbed her in the neck to throw off police. Gary took the plastic and hammer with him, and he also used her cell phone to call himself. Gary is a narcissist and tried to blame Michelle for her own death. Gary was sentenced to 29 to 37 years in prison. It seems as if Gary really was a con man and probably has done this to many women. Michelle loved Gary and believed that he wanted to be with her and that he'd always be honest with her. Michelle's life was taken way too soon. She had her dream career and was only looking for someone to spend her life with. At least Gary will be in prison and won't be able to hurt anyone else. My book recommendation for this week is The Widow by Kara Ruda. Jody Asher had a plan. Her charismatic husband, Martin, would be a political icon. She, the charming wife, would feel his success. For 15 congregational terms, they were the golden couple on the hill. Life was good until he wasn't. Martin's secret affair with a young staffer doesn't bother Jody personally, but professionally, it's, it's a legacy killer. Soon, a reporter gets word of this scandal in the making, and Martin's indiscretions threaten to ruin everything Jody has accomplished. When Martin suddenly dies, it's a chance to change the narrative, but the reporter won't let go of his lead. As the balance of power shifts in the Asher house and on the hill, it's time for Jody to take control. And there's nothing the ruthless widow won't do to secure the future she's entitled to, even if she has a secret of her own. This book, written in three parts, is a creepy thriller, which you all know I love. Wife Jody takes over her husband's job when he suddenly dies. Jody discovers all of her husband's secrets, but has secrets of her own. This book is of this book is full of mystery, secrets, power, and control, and I give it a nine out of ten. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode, and I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram at it's crime o'clock somewhere blog pod. Follow me on Twitter at it's crime o'clock. Buy me a coffee. Leave me a five star rating and review. And please recommend what cases that you want me to research and write and speak about. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.